0: 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do as the man of God had said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of those seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to appeal to the king for her house and land. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and had said, "'Tell me about all the great things Elisha has done.' Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Gehazi said, "'This is the woman my lord the king, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give everything back that belonged to her, including all her income from her land from the day that she left the country until now. Let's welcome Artie this morning.
1: Once you become a Christian, You become a member of a special family. God is your Father. Jesus is your elder brother. And the Holy Spirit is your guide. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every Mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear and simple. May this be a life-changing word and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Elisha the prophet, right after she raised her son from the dead, gave her private information. You could call it inside information. And we don't know about it until we come to this part in our series on Elisha. And so after she raised uh, this little boy to be, uh, from, uh, from the dead to being alive, she says, he says to her, by the way, I need to tell you that you should leave this country as soon as possible because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. And so what we have here is Elisha giving this Shunammite a tip. Inside information. Now, inside information is to have access to knowledge not generally available to anybody else. Uh, It's information of a precise nature. Now, uh, when it comes to stocks and bonds, uh, inside information can lead a person Uh, to prison. It's a criminal offense when you have inside information on what the price of a stock will be and you use it for your own personal uh, advantage. Well, people go to prison for that. But in this case, the Shunammite woman is given inside information from the Holy Spirit. And the word is That God has decreed that there will be a famine in the land and it's going to last seven years. Well now, what's going on in this situation? What's going on behind this? Well, the first thing I would say is it was an exceptional privilege for somebody like this Shunammite woman to have access to Elisha. Imagine having Elisha as a friend. Uh, Not everybody has an Elisha for a friend. Elisha is in touch with the most high God. And then he shares this with the Shudamite. Uh, You know, Jesus had his special friends. I've thought a lot about that. You know, he would go to Bethany. And there was Mary, Martha, They had a brother named Lazarus. And I often have thought about it. You know, when he was with the disciples, he was on duty with them, if I may put it that way. On duty. They hear the dialogues between him and the Pharisees. They hear the Sermon on the Mount. They hear about the parables. Uh, So the whole time that Jesus is with his 12 disciples, he's on duty. But I reckon that when he goes to Bethany, maybe it's just a little different. And he can put his feet up and and have a special relationship. On the other hand, maybe he wasn't off duty. Because we know on one occasion when Mary and Martha were going to have him uh, make a meal for him. And and have him as a guest at dinner. uh, You may recall the story that Martha was having to do all the work. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So that meant that he was on duty even then. Uh, Every minister, I think, needs a friend that he can be close to when he's not always on duty. I have a couple friends, uh, Lyndon Bowering, Alan Bell. Uh, We've been to Israel, I think, 12 times in the last 14 years. Uh, because I like to be with him when I'm not on duty. But then sometimes they will ask me to give them a Bible study, and it's like the equivalent of Mary asking Jesus questions. In any case, to have the privilege of talking to Elisha and then have him give her this inside information. Now, in a way, this doesn't seem fair. First of all, this Shunammite is wealthy second she has advantage of a friendship with Elisha and Elisha raises her son from the dead and now on top of that even more she's told get out of the country because there's going to be a famine here and it's going to last 7 years it seems unfair that she would have so much going for her wealthy Woman. She has friendship with Elijah. She, she got inside from information. But God said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And if He gives you mercy, you're in great shape. And I wonder if you are aware, if you are saved, you have access to secret information because you're part of a special family. And God has been merciful to you. Well, here it is. Elisha says to her, Go away with your family. Now, I find that interesting. Your whole family. So, Elisha was ensuring that the famine did not divide her family. I wonder if you're aware of how important the family unit is to God. Some call it the nuclear family. Mother, dad... Children, family. This is very, very important to God. And you need to understand He cares about you and that families stay together. My greatest regret, and I have told this before, my greatest sense of guilt, when I was at Westminster Chapel, I'm ashamed to say I spent 25 years putting the church first, thinking I was putting God first. I put sermon preparation first, thinking I was putting God first. I now believe that had I put my family first, I would have preached just as well. In any case, the way that she puts it, go with your family. Go away with your family to make sure that the family would not be divided because of the famine. Then he says, stay for a while. Let's one know that this is a temporary exile, that one day she will be coming back. And I find this interesting, too. He says to her, stay wherever you can. Now, one might say, well, now look, if you're going to tell me to leave, tell me where to go. Just because God gives you a special word, if we're not careful, we become insatiable. And we want a little bit more. Now, you say I should leave. Where do you think I should go? Well, he isn't giving her that. He says, just get away. And it's interesting. Stay wherever you can. You know, when we hear from the Lord, we immediately want just a little bit more. If you get a prophetic word, almost every time you want a little bit more. A One word is just not enough. And you want more. I think the Philippians... Wanted to ask Paul questions. Now that they're a part of the family. Is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? And Paul just says look. Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now some people take that verse to mean that we're saved by works. No that's not what he meant at all. He's saying when you don't know what to do. You sort it out. God will help you to know. And so, this Shunammite, she goes now to the area of the Philistines, which you could say that's enemy territory. Uh, But that's where she goes. And uh, she was given this information. You know, would not be good uh, not to listen to Elisha. Well, by the way, as Christians, we should never forget this. We all have access to secret information. Do you realize that you've been warned of something coming down the road that the world doesn't know about? It's called the wrath of God. Do you know the first message of the New Testament? Do you know what it was? It was John the Baptist's first message of the New Testament. Matthew 3, verse 7. John the Baptist said, Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? When he says, who has warned you, That means somebody should have. And so, when we put that today, there are those who aren't aware of this. The wrath of God is coming. In fact, Paul put it this way to the Thessalonians. We have been saved from the wrath to come. This is Inside information. And we know that when Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday and shed his blood, that blood satisfied the justice justice of God and the blood of Jesus turned the Father's wrath away. We have inside information to know what actually went on on Good Friday. Well, it was an exceptional privilege that the Shunammite had access to Elisha. There's a second thing I want us to see. God's eternal purpose. You see, there are some things we cannot change. And like it or not, I have to tell you, God has decreed certain things. And when He has decreed certain things, it means there's nothing that we can do to change those things. This is the way it is. God decreed a famine in the land that would last seven years, and when He says famine in the land, that meant Israel. It didn't mean uh, didn't mean the Middle East, generally, because when The Shunammite goes to the area of the Philistines. It's still in the Middle East, but it's not Israel. The area of the Philistines, the the, uh, the land was fertile. There was vegetation, sun, and rain. And so there was going to be no famine in the area of the Philistines. Well, then why Israel? Why would God do this to Israel? Well, we know this. THAT GOD LOVES ISRAEL. HE HAD A SPECIAL LOVE FOR ISRAEL. AND THERE WAS A PURPOSE IN WHAT HE DID. YOU SEE, WHOM THE LORD LOVES, HE CHASTENS. HE LOVED ISRAEL, AND is CHASTENING THEM. AND IF YOU'RE A CHRISTIAN, YOU ARE GOING TO BE CHASTENED. Uh, THE GREEK WORD IS SOMETIMES TRANSLATED DISCIPLINED. IF YOU WONDER At times, you say, Lord, why do I have to go through this? Why is it that other people aren't having this problem, but why do I have it? The truth is, whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Your neighbors, they're not going to be bothered. There are other people you say, how come I can't get away with this? But they can. You're different. One day I came home uh, uh, to our home in Fort Lauderdale, And in our front garden, we had the most beautiful orchid tree. But for some reason, our son, T.R., who I think was around four years old, uh, decided that it needed a little trimming. And when we recognized it, 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 what didn't even look like our tree, all the orchids had been cut off. And I had to deal with my son as lovingly, but as firmly as I knew how. But he kept saying, Daddy, Billy did it too. I says, but Billy is not my son. You're my son. And you may wonder, why is it other people get away with things, but you cannot? This is such good news. It's because God loves you. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, if you be without chastening, being disciplined, you're illegitimate children altogether. Be thankful. That God deals with you. He knows how to give you the slap on the wrist. He knows knows how to get your attention that will drive you to your knees. It could be financial reverse. It could be God will put you flat on your back. Whatever it takes to get your attention. You say, he's got my attention. Well, we all think that. But if God is chastening us, he's not doing it to get even with us. He's done it because he's not finished with us yet. And there's more to do. Well, God had a plan for Israel. You know, when I think of this prophecy of Elisha, I can't help but think of Agabus. In Acts chapter 11, there was a man by the name of Agabus stood up and through the Holy Spirit predicted a severe famine that would spread over the entire world. And so there are things that God has decreed. Uh, For example, do you realize He has already set the date of the second coming of Jesus? It's it's fixed. Nothing can change it. Back in in, uh, Tennessee where I had my first church, uh, there was this song. There was nothing biblical about it, but they would sing it all the time. Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. A little more time to get our loved ones in. Well, the truth is, (laughs) it's not going to help to pray that prayer. There's a date fixed. The angels don't know the date. Jesus said even he didn't know the date. The Father knows. It is decreed. And by the way, it is not a prophet's prerogative. To change God's mind. It is his prerogative to reveal what is true. You ought to know this. You might have thought, well, Elisha, he's got so much power with God. He might say, no, stop. I decree, I decree that there will be no famine. Now, there are people who do things like that. They think they're going to outdo God and... Uh, give God information what is best prophet's prerogative never to change God's will but rather to reveal his will and that is exactly what Elisha was doing okay exceptional privilege God's eternal purpose but there's a third thing and that is extraordinary providence here's what happened the Shunammite stayed in the land for the, of the Philistines for seven years. Uh, and during that time, she lived comfortably. Uh, maybe you feel like you are in enemy territory. That's where she was. Or maybe you feel like you're away from home and you're in exile. I don't know if anybody here feels like that or not. Why would God keep you away from home? Maybe to make you appreciate what you have at home. Why would you be in exile? There was a time when King David was in exile, waiting for God to get him back into Jerusalem. All David could do is wait and to see what God wanted. Okay, at the end of seven years... This Shunammite returns only to have her home taken over by ruthless, unscrupulous neighbors. They just look at this land, this home, and they say, we don't know where this woman went. It's ours. They took over. They lived in it. They claimed it as theirs. Well, now, the Shunammite comes home, and she sees that the home is it's unrecognizable, and she's distraught. So what does she do? Uh, let me ask you, what do you think she would do? You know what I think somebody would do? There are some that would go to Elisha and say, Elisha, how could this happen? You are the one that prophesied told me to leave and i come back and now i don't have a place to live there is that instinct in many people i'm sorry to say that they want to blame the prophet as if he is god or he can forecast every detail he just did her a favor says get away it's going to be last for se- last for 7 years now so when she comes back it's so interesting there's no feeling of entitlement it's not in her psyche to think like that. She goes through the proper channels, and goes to the king. And we're told she goes to the king, and there she will beg the king to get her land back. Now, I don't think the Shunammite ever had to beg before. We we know we're talking about a wealthy woman. Wealthy people don't beg but she is going to have to go to the king. And she cannot snap a finger because the king can give or withhold mercy. And she would have to live with that. So she goes there to beg. And by the way, when is the last time you begged God? I preached a sermon years ago called Only Beggars Can Be Saved. Absolutely true. Do you know how you become a Christian? You say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't snap your finger to God and say, this is what you've got to do. Or you may think, because you are important and you are well-known and you are well-connected and you've got money, and you come to God and you think that God is going to salute to you and say, oh... I didn't know I'd be so lucky as to have you follow me. Oh, this is wonderful. No, 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 no. The God of the Bible is sovereign. He's almighty. You go to him on bended knee. In fact, in Matthew chapter 8, follows the Sermon on the Mount. As soon as the Sermon on the Mount is over, there was one man who watched from a distance. It was a leper. And he comes to Jesus and falls down. And here's what the leper says. Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, means you don't have to, you don't have to, but if you are willing, you can heal me. He said, I'm willing. And he did. But that's the way you should come to God. You don't go snapping your finger as if God owes you something. Get away from any spirit of entitlement. Now she goes to the king, begging the king to get mercy, that he would give her land back to her. Now, speaking of a leper, it just happens that there was a leper having a conversation with the king at the time when the Shunammite comes to beg the king. And who do you suppose that leper was? It was Gehazi. Gehazi had been made a leper through a judgment of God some years before because he abused his privilege with Elisha. Elisha had healed Naaman. Naaman wanted to say thank you to give Elisha money. He wouldn't take it. But Gehazi, Elisha's servant, says, You know, that man's got a lot of money. Nobody's ever going to know the difference. He goes and says, You know, Elisha will take some after all. And in that moment, judgment came on him. He was made a leper. And we don't hear of him anymore. He's no longer Elisha's servant. But he goes to see the king from time to time, apparently. They were friends. And they're together talking. And and the king says, you know, you knew Elisha. Tell me some Elisha stories. Oh, says Gehazi, I know a bunch of them. You know, I know what it is to talk about Arthur Blessed. There are more stories that come out of his life. I could almost write a book about Arthur Blessed. The stories... Paul, Cain, same thing. The stories that I've heard him tell on and others, and, and they're very interesting. And now, the king says, talk to me about Elisha. Well, Gehazi says, I don't know where to begin. Uh, you know about the time when there was death in the pot, and the stew was poisoned, and people couldn't eat it. There were a hundred prophets there, and... Elisha just takes some flour and puts a little flour in it and immediately it's good and everybody can eat it and they're fine. Just like that. Hmm, amazing, says the king. Give me another story. Well, do you know about the iron head that f- floated? What do you mean? Well, there was this man chopping wood near the Jordan River and the iron axe fell off into the water, and he said, oh dear, it's borrowed. What am I going to do? Elisha said, where did it it go into the water? Well, right over there. Elisha takes a piece of wood and throws it on the water, and the iron axe head floats. Imagine iron floating on water. The king says, really? Yeah, I saw it with my own eyes, says Gehazi. Well, I'll tell you another story, says Gehazi. Naaman general from Syria had leprosy and had permission to come into Israel and he heard there's a prophet that might heal him. Now a a general is expecting special treatment. I mean a major might. A lieutenant colonel. But a general? He comes with his entourage and his chariot and thinks that Elisha Will feel so honored that a general has come to see him. Do you know what? Elisha doesn't even go out of the house, just sends a messenger, says, Tell uh, this man to go into the river Jordan, dip seven times, and he'll be healed of leprosy. Well, Gehazi says to the king, That made Naaman so angry. He was going to go back to Syria. But his own servant says, well, look, here. this far. If the prophet had told you to do some big thing, wouldn't you have done it? He could have asked for your money. He just says, go dip in the river Jordan. And so the king, uh, sorry, the general goes and dips himself in Jordan. He feels so stupid. After one time, he says, I'm no better. This is dumb. This is the craziest thing I ever saw in my life. Well, keep going, says the uh, servant. Twice, third time, fourth, fifth, sixth, he said, this is silly, I'm no better. He said, do it seven times. After the seventh time, he comes out, his flesh is like that of a child. Are you telling me he was healed just like that, says the king? I'm telling you it was just like that. And as a result of all this, that's how I got this leprosy. Uh, The the general wanted to give something to Elisha. He wouldn't take it. So I went and thought I'd get some. And now I've been struck with this leprosy. And, you know, he could go on. There's more stories about how in 24 hours, Elisha prophesied there would be food and there was no chance of it being fulfilled. But it was fulfilled. And then he said, here's another story, Your Majesty. There was was a woman. It's been, oh, at least seven years ago. She had a child who became acutely ill and died. i don't know how old he was, maybe two or three years old. Elisha raised him from the dead, really? Yes, yeah, I saw him. I saw him about that time somebody interrupts the conversation and says, "Your majesty, uh, there's a woman here very distraught, who needs to see you and he sees her and he says, That's the woman! That's the same woman. That's a Shunammite. And there, there's a 12-year-old boy there. Oh, he's, he's now, he's grown up. He's fine. This is the same child. This is the same woman. And the king turns to her and says, Is this true? Are you the woman? Oh yes, seven years ago I I went away because Elisha told me to and I took my little boy and we're back and we don't have any property. It's been taken from us. You talk about one extraordinary providence. The timing. Had the Shunammite come an hour before, she would have gone to the king. Who knows what he would have done with her. Had she come an hour later, It's just another person coming to the king to ask for a favor. Who knows whether he would have done anything for her. But because they were talking about her at that very moment, and Gehazi says, that's the same woman. He says, are you the one? And this is your son, a nice-looking young man. He's lived all these years. This is wonderful. The coincidences. Have you not seen these in your life? Charles Spurgeon once said, When I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't pray, they don't happen. And I look at these things. I can tell you a story. My time's going away, but you've got to hear this. When I was at Westminster Chapel, in the days of our pilot light ministry, there was a man there, his name was Malcolm George. He was out on the streets every week He was born with muscular dystrophy, and his accent, you wouldn't call it accents, it was a speech impediment. I could never understand Malcolm. Louise could. And so he'd spend time with Louise because she could understand when he would uh, talk. And one Sunday night in the back halls at Westminster Chapel, he was talking to Louise and said he was going to stop being a pilot light. Well, why? Luis says to Malcolm. He says, I don't do any good. People can't understand me, and I don't do any good. And he says, I'm just a waste of space. And he was crying, and he says, I, I give up, I give up. As they were talking, at that exact moment, a voice says, That's the man, that's the man. What's going on here? A woman had read a tract given to her the day before by Malcolm George. She was an international businesswoman from Paris. She read the tract, read the prayer at the end, looked at the address, came to Westminster Chapel. That night went forward to confess Christ as her savior. And then the lady who dealt with her said, would you like to go to the back halls? Well, yes, I would, but I sure would like to run into the man who gave me that tract. And as they walk back in, she says, that's the man. That's the man. Just as dear Malcolm was about to give it all up. Well, he went back to the streets. It just shows how God knows how to step in. Never too late, never too early, always just on time. (laughs) In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But there's a last thing. I call it extraordinary provision. So the king says to the Shunammite, Are you really the one? Is it true? You're the, you're the, the same one. He says, yeah, that, That's me. And guess what happens? We read in the last verse, he assigned an official to her case and said to him, give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. She not only gets her land back, but now says the income she would have had for the last seven years, she gets that too. You see, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How would you ever know? But see, it's all because you're a member of the family. And because you're a member of the family, you get secret information. You get inside information. God will guide you, tell you, go here, but not there. Go here, but not there. The steps of a good man. Are ordered by the Lord. You acknowledge Him in all your ways. He will direct your paths. And you see, you may say, if if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you may say, well, this is not fair, that the Christian would have inside information. Well, I have to tell you, that uh, those that are in the Christian family, uh, they do have access to this. It's a special family. Uh, uh, We're given special privileges. Now, if you're born in this country, like in England, there are some that are born to privilege. And uh, it's called aristocracy. Uh, I don't know how many aristocrats we have here today. Uh, Wouldn't be you, would it? No. Can anything good come out of Hong Kong? Probably not. Uh, Suppose you wanted, wanted to be in this family and I do have good news. This special family, the number is not complete yet. The number of the family not complete yet. There are more to be saved. So we are taking applications. <laughs> Would you like to apply to be a member of the family? Because I'll tell you what, if your application is accepted, you become royal. I'll tell you, I want you to turn next to the person right now and say, you are royal. Turn to them now. You are royal. We say, well, how do I get in? What's, what, how do I qualify? I fill out the form. What's required of me? Well, the good news is, it's not required that you are English and that you are aristocratic. Be thankful for that. Uh Let's say here's somebody. You're from Ghana, Ghana. You're not Lily White. You expect to get anywhere? You're from Ghana. What if you're from Nigeria? Oh dear, no chance. And so when you when when you fill out the application, uh, you need to know there's one thing to put down. It's not whether you're well connected. Whether you went to Eton or Harrow, whether you're white, whether you're from New Delhi or wherever, only one thing required. You know what it is? That you're thirsty. Thirsty. Oh, yeah, the book of Revelation ends with these words Is anybody thirsty? Let him take the water of life and drink if you're thirsty. That's because the Holy Spirit is on your case. And you're aware that you're tired of this world. Tired of sin. And you're saying, God is on my case. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless till we find our rest in you. And so I'm asking you today, would you like to get inside, be in the family, and become royal, and you have access to the same information. Here's what you need to do. If you're thirsty... That means you're aware that you're a sinner, you're sorry. You know, you don't deserve anything. You're willing to be a beggar today. Oh yes, a beggar. Ask God to have mercy on you. Pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, I need you, I want you. I know I'm a sinner, I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. As best as I know how, I give you my life. That's it. If anybody prayed that prayer because you're thirsty, you can now become a member of the family. It's just one thing left. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. Paul said, if you believe in your heart that Jesus uh, is Lord and He was raised from the dead, but confess with your mouth. What that means is God wants you to come out of hiding. You've got to come out of hiding today to show that you're not ashamed. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you in the next 10 seconds to stand up. You say, in front of all these people, yes. Yes not going to ask you to make a speech. You'll show you're unashamed. Five, four, three, two, one. If you prayed that prayer, stand up right now. We're going to wait for you. Who prayed that prayer? Okay. Anyone else? Welcome to the family. You've just become a royal.